We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome in. Episode 75 of BuzzBeat Radio. Um, look, this time next week, we're going to have real regular season basketball, Hornets basketball to, uh, to, to cover, which is very, very exciting. Uh, it is officially back. So here we are, BuzzBeat Radio, episode 75. We're going to jump in here. Uh, don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Check out almightyballer.com for lots of other great podcast content covering the landscape uh, of the NBA. Also, don't forget uh, our home, queencityhoops.com. Lots of good stuff on there. Um, got some player previews up on the site right now. Noah Purser is doing a great job since he took over. Um, about a month ago, I guess. Um, just a lot of good content on QueenCityHoops.com, so go check that out um, to get tuned up for the season here. And then our good friends over at Sports Channel 8. Uh, it's ACC football season, so they're uh, busy at tailgates, and, and the hurricanes are underway too. A lot of good <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes coverage going on, so check out uh, at Sports Channel 8 on Twitter. Um, they're doing some great stuff, as always. Not a real exciting ACC football season so far. <laughs> But, uh, but the boys at Sports Channel have a great time with it. And always um, they always make sure that they give UVA a hard time. If, every, if, nothing, you know, if everything else fails for the state of North Carolina in sports, Sports Channel 8 always has UMBC upsetting UVA to fall back on. You know, that, that, that's something they'll never not have. They can always die on that sword. Did uh, you good, know? Did you know yeah. that was the first time that a 16 seed has ever upset a number one seed <laughs> yeah. in the tournament? In case I mean, you were aware... It's, it it's literally a, a, a it weekly happened. reminder for me. So <laughs> I always am like on the cusp of responding some, you know, some smart ass remark. But, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm not half as funny as any of them. So I'm not even going to respond. I'm just going to take this one again. Yeah. And uh, no, it's good stuff. All in good fun. I, I don't know if you ask some people up this way in Virginia. I, I think they get a little tired of it. But hey. I know all you guys personally, so I think it's pretty funny. There are some diehard UVA fans that are, are, are not thrilled about it. And I'm pretty sure one of our jokes a week or two ago triggered a, uh, a roundtable discussion at the uh, UVA Espionation site, Shrinking the Lawn, that was like, 
you judge on a scale of one to ten how over the UMBC loss is. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure if you're putting this post together, it means you're, you're not definitively over. Not, not over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, any, any Virginia basketball fan should be on. I mean, we're, I'm a Virginia basketball fan. We're never going to be over it, right? Like, yeah, even right. after a national championship, you're, you're going to live with that forever. I mean, that, that's that's true. You got to wear it. Like, it's, it is like a scarlet letter of sorts. I do think, though, like, if they get to the Final Four, if they win a title, which they totally could this year, you know, I, I think it'll at least take – it'll be tougher to, to jab them, you know? Yeah. So. It, if they have success from here, it will certainly become more of a novelty as time goes on. But what happens happens. All right, we're off to a bad start here. Yeah. We're talking about UVA. <laughs> so we're here to talk more basketball. So let's uh, let's try to get in. Richie, what is happening in Charlotte? Well, let me start by asking you this: How did you do through uh, Hurricane Michael here? Because as I'm sitting here talking, I can hear rain slamming against my glass door. So it, so if I don't make it through this whole podcast, it's because. Hurricane Michael knocked out the power. How'd you guys do down there in Charlotte? Uh, well, currently it's beautiful outside. You know, it's clear. It's kind of like it just washed away everything, and you look outside and it's clear. But what's funny is we just got an, a notification not too long ago that uh, school's canceled down here in Charlotte for tomorrow. I was talking to Brian prior to the uh, recording, but I guess 32 schools in the district uh, don't have power. But I wouldn't know that just by looking outside. Uh, but we did survive. Uh, very different than uh, Hurricane Florence. Uh, moved a whole lot quicker. Florence was just like it just it didn't feel like the wind speeds were as high or it wasn't like as intense, but it just stayed around longer. Good, good. BG, I guess you're kind of still in it here a little bit, huh? It's still raining there in Raleigh? Yeah, it's still raining. I think it just passed through. It was pretty hairy here in like the mid to late afternoon, but no, we seem to be doing fine now. Cool. Knock on wood. <laughs> well, hopefully this is the last one that we have to experience. Um you know, and, and listeners, obviously, you know, if you get a chance, I mean, I know I don't have something specific to plug, but I know there's plenty of places in Sports Channel 8 uh, was mm-hmm. repping, you know, ways you can help, you know, Hurricane Florence relief. So, you know, we do do a, you know, a Carolina Pro Sports Team podcast. So I, I should mention, you know, there's a lot of people in the Wilmington area still looking for help. I'm sure there's still money, more money needed. So, uh, Dude, you know, the whole, the whole southeast corner of the state, man, like it's still like, you know, it's just it's it's crazy. Like there are still, you know, roads, underwater houses that are, you know, it's crazy. It's it's not this is, you know, just because it blew through and, you know, three weeks have passed. Like some of this stuff is damaged, uh-huh. you know, irrevocably. So, uh, you know, who, who knows? Uh, just yeah. if you can't find some way to help out, by all means, do it. You know, I hear on the uh, the Dunk Don podcast, Nate and Danny plug Team Rubicon a lot, and I saw those guys were in North Carolina in the southeast corner uh, within the last week or week or two as well. So again, lots of ways you can help out. Absolutely, encourage everybody to do that. Um, care about the great states of North and South Carolina here. Um, all right, let's talk some hoops here. So preseason, um, really, <clears throat> we had the Miami game last week. The Hornets had a long break. Um, played Chicago this week, and then they'll have one more tune-up uh, in Dallas. Um, I don't even know what night that is. But anyways, that's the last preseason game before next Wednesday when Milwaukee comes into town for the for the season opener. So I thought, guys, we'd just kind of jump into this Miami and Chicago games. Um, tried to go back and watch some of the Miami game a little earlier. Don't remember a ton about that one, but have a lot of notes on the Chicago game. Let's start here. The offense, and we've talked about it some already. It's been probably the most discussed, um, you know, Hornets revelation and, and new fold on Hornets Twitter. 
it's a motion offense. The ball flies around very quickly. The Hornets are getting up shots extremely fast. And so far, Brian, it, it's been rather efficient. Um, you know, they're not tops of the league, um, but they're getting a, a, a about mid-30s, about 35 threes a game. Mm-hmm. And they're knocking down just over 35% of those, which is not a terrible mark. Um, what is it with the offense, if there's one thing or, or maybe a few, that have, that have stuck out to you the most in terms of maybe just how efficient Charlotte has been able to do it so far? It's just nice to see the spacing in general. Uh, Richie, I believe you were even tweeting about this earlier today or earlier in the week, but you can just see guys always split opposite corners. Like that, like that is always there. And when the ball moves, I think they're getting pretty good looks. And we've seen some turnover issues uh, or in the preseason. And even some guys, you know, Kemba hasn't really shot that well from deep even. Uh-huh. and Michael K. Gilchrist has struggled shooting the ball at the hoop, and Frank Kaminsky struggled shooting from everywhere. But they're using the corners. They're playing with pace. And I've even sort of enjoyed, and, and this is in a much smaller capacity, but just them sort of moving around the mesh point for where they want to ignite screen roll with Kemba and whomever else. And so using, you know, starting Kemba in the corner, and setting a pin down for him and then having him go into a DHO with Cody and then running that as opposed to just having Kemba come up, everybody spread it out and go one five down the middle. I've liked that letting Kemba get a little momentum to turn the corner and he's fast as hell. So I I like that. And I think it puts, it can put teams in a bind, especially if they've got three other shooters out there. Like if it's Batum, Lamb and, and Marvin. And I've also enjoyed one other thing too. And I was texting with you guys about this the other night. But just the, I don't, I was about to say courage. I don't know if it's courage, but I really appreciate James Borrego willing to try in preseason some some Uh nifty small ball looks, playing Marvin Williams at center, playing Michael Kidd Gilchrist at the four, Miles Bridges at the four, uh, maybe even some of these looks, you know, Nick Batum's been sort of like the de facto four out there. And playing Frank Kaminsky full-time at the five now, which is something that, I mean, Frank hasn't looked very good, but if Frank's going to ever make it in the NBA, you know, it's got to be as as a five. And yeah, I think we're going to look back and sort of laugh on all the minutes he played as the as a power forward the first three seasons of his career and be like, what were they thinking having this guy try to guard, try to guard other fours and stuff? But no, so that would be, those would be, in terms of the offense, the pace has been crazy and probably yeah. not sustainable. But they're using the corners so much more frequently now. I mean, they were dead last in the NBA. Only 4.7% of their field goal attempts last season, corner threes. Uh, that's up to probably, I mean, it was hovering around 10%. Uh, I think after the Chicago game, they may have dipped down a little bit. But they're still probably 7 or 8%, which is respectable. And I like, so what I would say in, in closing, just they're more flexible, both in terms of their personnel, willing to play smaller with some of these lineups that I know some of us, myself included, have been clamoring for, and trying different ways to get Kemba and Cody going to the basket. Uh, I think all of that is positive, and hopefully it's something we see continue into the regular season. It's sort of Charlotte kind of catching up a little bit in terms of <laughs> how it plays half-court offense. Yeah, and I, I think you, you're right about that point in terms of Borrego. It might not be courage per se, but it might just be he has a philosophy, he has a way of doing things, and he's sticking with it. Um, he mm-hmm. knows what wins in today's NBA, and he's 
installing that into the Hornets offense. So you've said pretty much everything that I could say in terms of just what I'm excited about on this offensive end. They spread the court. Uh, the middle of the uh, the court is wide open again for ball handlers, for cutters, drivers. And I think we're going to see a lot of drive and kick. And now we have the ability to drive and kick to the opposite corner because we have someone at that corner. We need to put up more corner threes. And also, we need to limit our shots in the mid-range. Uh, last year, Charlotte was seventh in the NBA in terms of frequency from the mid-range. And if you look at the best teams uh, in the NBA, they don't take a lot of mid-range shots. I mean, there's some outliers here and there. I think the Pacers were up there uh, when it comes to mid-range shots. But most of your playoff teams are getting to the rim and shooting uh, the deep ball pretty well. So, yeah, like you said, the flexibility, the versatility, uh, the athletes in space is kind of what I'm most excited about on the offensive side of the court. Yeah, it's certainly going to be more fun watching the offense this season. It just looks so, so much different um, than what we saw under Steve Clifford. And, Brian, you made a good point. You know, not only, you know, have we seen this team use the corners for just guys spacing the floor to shoot, but – you know, using it for Kimba to grab a handoff or Batum or even Lamb and get ahead of steam, you know, and, and turning the corner with Zeller rolling down, uh, you know, rolling down the lane there. So, so just the way they're using space is so refreshing. And like you said, BG, I mean, they are kind of catching up to the rest of the league here. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see how efficient the Hornets can be once we get into the regular season. And really, if this ball movement continues at the pace it has, at the pace we've seen it in the rate in the excuse me in the preseason i mean right now the hornets are let's see through four preseason games 103.5 offensive rating which is about middle of the pack uh in preseason so far i mean i wouldn't take much of you know from those numbers a lot of these teams are playing you know teams from australia and europe or wherever (laughs) you know so so there's not a lot to to feed off of there so but i mean you know that's not a there's not a world beater offensive rating. So there's certainly going to be a learning curve as we get to the NBA regular season where teams are really locking down a little bit more. Now on the other side, which we can talk about a little bit uh, more later, you know, the defense, those numbers actually look pretty good. Um, And then the Hornets have been able to successfully force turnovers um, and successfully kind of speed teams up just with their pace. So it's going to be fun to watch, Um, you know, offensively I've seen the Hornets, get into their secondary break in a, in a few different looks. You know, one looks like your basic ball screen motion offense where it's, it just looks like a motion offense. So you have your wing cutting through guy from the corner, cutting up, coming up, um, getting a pitch. Zeller's rolling. Now you're switching it to the opposite end of the floor. And it looks like the same action. That's like a ball screen offense. And then they'll run a zipper set, uh, where Kimball start low, uh, kind of dribble down the floor, pitch it to Zeller at the top, um, go low. Then you'll have Marvin or whoever the four is kind of cut through, set a zipper screen for Kimma coming back up to get the ball, and then that almost immediately goes into like a pitch or a handoff uh, with Zeller, who's now rolling, and then you've got the guy from the corner coming up to the top. So it, it's just all based around motion. And, you know, one of the keys for this team offensively is going to be the decision-making of Kimba Walker. I think he's going to have opportunities this season, you know, to push that assist-per-game number Mm-hmm. far above where he's ever been. I think his career high off the top of my head is around six, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I think Kemba could get to seven this year. I mean, huh. this offense is going to generate more opportunities for him to find teammates early in the shot clock for shots. So if those shots are going down, I think Kemba has a chance to you know, be at seven, seven and a half between there, potentially assists per game. So it's going to be fun. 
Um, you know, a lot still to be told here, but offense uh, early is, is looking to, you know, looking to look, at least look a lot different here. Just real quickly, in the preseason, 38% of their field goal attempts have been three-pointers. That's, I mean, if that keeps up, that's a big jump. In last season, if you take away garbage time, cleaning the glass has them about 28% of their field goal attempts, like outside of, like, you know, excluding garbage time were three-pointers and basketball reference, three-point attempt rate of about 31%. Either way, that's a pretty significant jump for the Hornets taking threes. And, I mean, it's been nice, too, to see the guys like Marvin and Miles Bridges, both low-usage guys, but have shot very well. And you can see, too, you know, Marvin for years, since basically since he got to Charlotte, a lot of that, uh, you know, when it's, when it's going to be high ball screen with Kemba, he'll slip out and look for a catch-and-shoot three. You've seen that again, and you've seen that with Miles Bridges. You saw that up in Boston uh, a few weeks ago in the preseason, which, again, I, I like some of the ways. I, I don't want to go down a tangent here because I wrote about this um, over at Sports Channel where you guys can check it out. But I like some of the ways, too, that Charlotte has used Miles Bridges offensively uh, as a pick as a pick and pop guy, as a slip guy, as a guy that's playing on the weak side of the uh, the offense. I think that, I, and he, in speaking of guys that can be the closeout, I mean Miles Bridges, yeah. I think can do that no and get all the way. Yeah. He knows how to look. You know, he's not an electric passer, but he knows to look corner. He's hit Monk for a few corner corner opportunities this season too. So. I think there's a good. I think there's some utility for him there offensively. Not to spark a different conversation, but do you think that Miles Bridges is kind of what we wanted out of MKG coming into the league? Yeah, I mean, different NBA at the time, you know. Yeah, but, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that MKG. I think with MKG, it was more like his measurables um, that really mm-hmm. intrigued people, and then just how good of a defender he already was. I mean, I think it was super intriguing. And then, of course, you think, you know, you thought you could bring him along offensively. MKG is, I mean, he's not anywhere close to the athlete no. that Miles Bridges is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Miles Bridges, it, what I've just, and I think, I was thinking about this the other day, I think I underrated how good of an athlete he was at Michigan State watching him just because that game, obviously the college game is mm-hmm. just so much slower in the NBA, so, but it, it does make it harder to identify who, who the really, really good athletes are, mm-hmm. unless you're a guy like Zaire Smith, who's just a, an alien. You know, but yeah. you know, I, I don't think I realized how athletic he was. And now you see him in the NBA. And Brian, like you said, I mean, you watch him beat a closeout, get to the baseline, kind of get it himself in no man's land because he doesn't have a great mm-hmm. feel yet. But then he just zips a fastball to the weak side, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you just that kind of pass. It's only just the power and twitch that he mm-hmm. plays with as an athlete makes will always make up, you know, especially in his young years here in the NBA, will make up for the, the deficiencies maybe in the understanding of the game. So I, I don't know, man. I just I have not seen a young player on this team this athletic. I don't really think ever. Yeah, so, agreed. Um, you know, I, I, his athleticism has just really, really blown me away, and I didn't underestimate that, um, you know, watching him and watching his college yeah. tape and look i that's who i wanted the horns to draft but it's i didn't didn't expect all this I mean, it's blown me away it and, really has and he might be one of those players that actually benefits uh from playing in the nba versus college just because of the space i think he even mentioned that no in doubt. an article today on cbs sports no, no you know doubt. 
You know, he, he's, a, he's a freak athlete. You know, give him space to work with, uh, whether that's driving and kicking or driving and getting all the way to the hole. And, if again, if he can knock down that three like he has in preseason, uh, he's going to become even a better closeout beater. Um, he also mentioned in that article, and I think we've kind of talked about this or have heard this before, but the Hornets are practicing with 12 seconds on the shot clock in practice just to kind mm-hmm. of speed up the game a little bit. And I know that... You know, Borrego doesn't want us to force bad shots, but you definitely put a lot of pressure on the defense if you can get out in transition early, uh, force some mismatches, and that's going to be another aspect. Uh, I know we didn't, we kind of talked about it with the spacing, but also the pace of the play is going to be awesome to watch. Well, Richie, that's that's a good point, I'm, and it's something I wanted to talk about. So I'm glad you said that. I mean, here's what this, you know, it's all great when you say, yeah, we're going to get a shot up, you know, yeah. before 14 seconds of the shot clock. But you know what that does is it makes guys that aren't used to making tough reads and quick decisions like Jeremy Lamb, especially like Cody mm-hmm. Zeller in short roll situations. I mean, he, he can do that, but he hasn't been asked to do that as quickly as, as he's going to be asked to now. And, you know, so I think that that's something to watch for the Hornets earlier in the season is that turnover mark um, and the guys that really aren't accustomed to be, you know, to being quick decision makers are they making the right read more times than not? Because that's really where the efficiency comes in, right? Like when you have an offense, like what we've seen from Charlotte, it forces defensive rotations Mm -hmm. quickly and early. So, so the holes open up really fast, but those holes also close really fast because it's the NBA, right? So can you make those reads early? And, And I would say, I mean, early on the Hornets are turning it over, Turnover percentage-wise, they're just below. They're thirteen point nine percent. Top five in the NBA. Yeah, it's top five in the NBA in the preseason, right? So, bad. like, yeah. as quickly as they've been playing so far, it looks looks pretty good. But but that's something I would watch. And, and I'm not talking about Kimball Walker. I mean, I think he's going to make mostly good decisions. Um, but the other guys that have to touch the ball early in the shot clock and keep it moving, will they make the right decisions? And I think that's I think it's a good storyline for the offense. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Monk is probably another guy you could throw into that category with Lamb and stuff like that too of, you know, how quickly is he does he want to catch the ball and, you know, hear the sound of his dribble and, and then try to get into yeah. the offense. So um yeah, there are a couple over unders I wanted to sprinkle in here on this episode, talking about we just hit on Miles Bridges a little bit. Terms of three point percentage for him this season, what do you guys think? If I threw out thirty four and a half percent from threes, let's assume he takes a pretty healthy number of them too. And we're not is talking it, we're not we're not talking just catching shoots or from the corners, we're talking overall Miles Bridges three point shooting. What do you think? Over under thirty four and a half percent. Under, because I think he's gonna get a I don't think he's gonna be shy. Right, like yeah. I think he's yeah. gonna get up like three a game. Agree. So I, I yeah. would say under, and I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. It is no, it totally, it, it totally. I just want to see him get him up. You know, like that. That's the big thing for Miles Bridges this year. I would say under two, although I think he'll be probably Close. somewhere in that that yeah, yeah that 33, 34 range, which is 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 not is, is not bad. And um, but yeah, I agree. And I, all again for him, I want to see the volume this year and you know where they come from. I think that that matters more to me almost more so than you know can he shoot 39 percent or whatever i mean that'd be great if he could but yeah i would say under by a little bit well i guess just for the sake of being different i'll, I'll go over uh live a little here um i yeah. cannot believe he's shooting 50 percent from three though in preseason i looked that up and i was like oh my gosh didn't realize it was that high um yeah. not expecting that no one is obviously but i think yeah. maybe <laughs> i don't know it, it could get to like 35 36 possibly and that would um 
be great for his game in terms of, like I said, kind of beating those closeouts even more effectively. Clearly, that number that you chose, Brian, is going to be right there uh, where yeah. he where he lands. And like you said, maybe it's the volume. Maybe you'll trade off a little bit of the percentage for the volume because that's kind of how the way the NBA is going. Yeah, Miles Bridges and Marvin Williams both uh, closing in on 68% effective shooting in the preseason. And I think Miles Bridges is a guy that, you know, when Marvin hits the bench, you might see uh, Bridges being a guy that comes in and, and takes those minutes along with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Maybe, maybe a little Frank Kaminsky sprinkled in here too. But so Marvin Williams last season played 25.7 mm-hmm. minutes per game. Over under minutes per game this season for Marvin Williams, we're setting it at 24 and a half minutes. Does he average playing more than half the game when he plays? I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under for this one. I think that just to kind of hold up his body over the course of the 82-game season, I think that Borrego is going to watch his minutes. Uh, Not that he's like a ceremonial starter by any means. He's not like one of those players that plays like – you know, just the starting minutes and just a sprinkled in. I do think it'll be, you know, yeah. 20, 21 minutes a game. Uh, but I do think for the long haul, I think it's actually going to be better for our team, better for Marvin, for him to play limited minutes. Um, but, yeah, obviously he's he's nodded to get that starting spot at the four. I would also say under, but yeah. I would watch a few th- – well, I would say under because the emergence of Bridges, obviously, he's going to play a lot of minutes at the four. Mm-hmm. And then probably most – well, maybe not most, but he's going to play at least 50%. Uh, and then uh, MKG, I mean, that's probably the only position he plays uh, for this team this yeah. year is power forward. So so just considering those two guys are going to have to play power forward, you know, that's about – I don't know if Marvin could eclipse 24-and-a-half. Uh, but the one thing to watch is – and we've seen this lineup – very sparsely during the preseason. I got a feeling we're going to see it more in the regular season. I hope Marvin at the five, you know, will will it be, you know, will it be like once a week kind of thing? Will Mm -hmm. we see it every game at some point? I doubt it, you know, so how often Borrego experiments with that. Um, But, you know, that said, if you're going to try Marvin at the five, I think you can try MKG at the five, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like maybe you can get away with that. Totally. Totally. uh, but But I think that's something to watch. If that becomes, something we see um two or three times a week i think he could get over 24 and a half Mm -hmm. agreed and and again i mean we brought this up at the start but just willing to the willingness to try marvin at the five which is something that after three or four seasons essentially never happened with steve clifford including times when cody zeller was hurt and the team was just desperate for another option at center You, you just never saw it and uh, I've enjoyed that small ball lineup, and I've also enjoyed the Kemba Walker, Malik Monk, Jeremy Lamb, Miles Bridges, Cody Zeller look too, which is another. I mean, you've got a you've got a true five out there, but I I like the offensive look. He brought that out. I think it was the Miami game. We saw the this group that I just brought up, and I, I like they they had a great close to the sec the the first half of the second quarter. Um, and so yeah, I just I like the I think that sort of positional flexibility. Um, is a good thing, but yeah, I would say the under for Marvin, um, like not not by much. I think somewhere in that twenty three to twenty four minute range, but we'll see. It'd be great if he could play twenty five, twenty six, but no, I think for him it'll be probably closer to the twenty three, twenty four range. Agreed. Um, let's go back. Let's just pull back a little bit um, and talk about you know, these reactions from the Miami and Chicago game before we keep going on some of the player prediction stuff. Um, just talk about the defense here. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 
They've shown some good numbers here early in the preseason. Let me pull it up here real quick. Defensive rating of 99.1, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, 13th in the league. Of course, again, a lot of these teams in front of them are, are not playing NBA teams, some in preseason, so mm-hmm. not a lot to take. But, uh, Richie, defensively, what's the one thing that has stuck out the most to you and how differently the Hornets look? Well, it's funny you mentioned those numbers because when I, I mean, just based off the eye test, I didn't think it was that that great. Like I didn't think it was right. that great. I thought that uh, some of the defense, the perimeter defense, uh, wasn't there. I feel like a lot of people were able to get to the basket pretty easily um, in certain games this preseason. But I will say that one thing that stuck out to me is just how freely they are switching. You know, off ball, on ball. You know, one. One five pick and rolls, you'll see that as well. Cody Zeller uh, is comfortable guarding the point guard every so often. And uh, theoretically, uh, this should definitely limit players scrambling all over the court. The communication is going to be key this year. I think that's the biggest thing with me. I think Borrego definitely has a different style when it comes to defense. I feel like Clifford didn't want to switch as often. Uh, you wanted to get back as quick as possible. And uh, I don't think Borrego's too worried about maybe a center or power forward on a guard at times. Um, so I think that defense, if, if the communication is there, I think it will be improved. And, you know, maybe we can get some hands on uh, turnovers as well. So I think even. Again, we've seen most of the switching. A lot of the switch partners are they're the wings. You know, it's Miles and MKG having carte blanche to switch, or or when Dwayne Bacon's out there, and I, and I think that's all of that is great to see. Even seeing at times Cody Zeller. This is something we talked about on episode seventy four uh-huh. too. Cody Zeller after a one five pick and roll mm-hmm. switching on and in in trying his trying his best to corral a, a point guard, and I, I think that's good. Like they need to try that. It, it's something that should have been explored prior to the preseason this year, but hey, at least we're seeing it now. And you've got to remember too, you know, look, I know when we talk about Cody's impact, we so frequently talk about, look, this team needs to play him to play a lot of games. And usually when we refer to that, it's because, hey, not only is the net rating great when he's on the court and bad when he's when he's gone, but it's what he does offensively. It's his it's his ability to flip screens or to use angles. And he and Kemba have such amazing chemistry. And when he's played a full season in, in 15, 16, he was an outstanding, uh, you know, over, you know, right, right around 1.2 points per possession as a role guy. It hasn't been quite that good since then. But like you said, Spencer, is not a not an amazing short roll passer, but has a little bit of that. And you if you if you if you watch the Hornets play, I mean, something that he works on, they work on that stuff before the game, too. Um, but it's what he also brings defensively. This team is just so much better historically defensively with this guy on the court. And you can look at a lot of these metrics that are that adjust for luck or adjust for, you know, in, or in adjust for teammates that are on the court or who they're playing against. And Cody is Cody is excellent. And maybe yeah. we don't think of him as being an amazing defensive center because he's not Clint Capella and he doesn't he can't switch on every position or you know he isn't Rudy Gobert and he's not an amazing rim protector but he just he plays hard he runs around he's smart he you know he's over he actually blocked a few shots in the preseason this year too but like this team is just so much better defensively when he's out there on the court and having him out there if he can stay healthy and play X number of games, it would be a huge boon for a team that used to uh-huh. sort of like make its calling card on the defensive end of the court. But with Cody on the Cody sideline, largely the last two seasons, they've been 
you know, like basically middle of the NBA to like almost closer to like bottom third, you know, mm-hmm. I think they were 17th in defensive efficiency last year with Cody Ealing playing a couple dozen games. So uh, that was sort of the thing I noticed, just his presence out there and also Charlotte experimenting with some one five switches too, or some two five switches with Cody. Mm-hmm. I also like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give a few thoughts on the defense and then I want to stay on Cody. Um, you know, defense, it looks like the only guy that Borrego's really trying to just hide from switching uh, is Hernan Gomez when he's out mm-hmm. there. It really wants, you know, his man setting the ball screen, wants the guy who's guarding the ball to fight through that, whether it's going over or going under. Um, you know, so I think everybody else is pretty much free to switch, which has been pretty crazy to watch. Another thought I've had is that I think teams, if that continues, teams are going to hunt Kimball Walker even more so than they have in the past. Um, you know, when they're going against Charlotte's starting five or, or just when he's in the game. Like, I, I think that if teams know, okay, they're going to switch all of our action, then mm-hmm. we're going to find a way to get him down in the post and we're going to play out of that. So I, Boston, I think see, Boston yeah. did that in Chapel Hill. Well, yeah. like if, if he switched on to Brown or Hayward or Tatum, they were going right to the post. Yep. And so you're going to see a lot of that this season. And it'll be interesting to see how Charlotte counters that. You know, will they continue to switch? And ask him uh, to, to to switch on to fours and fives and, and wings, or are they going to start to fight through that more? I would, my gut would tell me they're going to have to start fighting through it more because it's it's just it's tough to ask him to do that. Uh, yeah. it, for as much as you ask of him offensively, to ask him to try to body up with bigger guys and not foul on the defensive end, I think is is mm-hmm. kind of tough. You know, the, the only other thing I would say defensively is the Hornets are continuing; they're forcing turnovers. And I think largely because these teams are just not ready for all the switching they're getting from mm-hmm. Charlotte. And then number two, they're still doing good on the defensive glass. Um, I mean, they're yes. still a lot, really good. I mean, almost 78% defensive Cliff rebounding ball, rate. Baby. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> some things, you know, you know, some habits don't die so hard. So, um, you know, I think that's going to kind of stick with the Hornets. I think they're going to clean up the glass well. Um, and, and that's a really important stat for Charlotte because – if they want to play faster, which I think they're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always turnovers that create fast break opportunity. Totally. You know, defensive defensive totally. rebounding and a gang mentality there uh, with guys like Batum and Lamb uh, and Kimba. I mean, those guys grab a rebound and we're off to the races. So that's a very important stat to watch for for Charlotte as well. Can I just get in one second, one last thing about Kemba oh, yeah. and switching and stuff like that? I saw this. I think just one play against Chicago. I don't think it's something you can see all that often because only like the best switching defenses of the NBA can sort of pull this off. You see Houston do this with uh, with Chris Paul a lot. The Warriors will do this with with Curry and stuff too. But there was one time where Kemba got switched onto. I want to say it was Jabari Parker and Miles Bridges yes. was on the floor too, and he switched. They switched behind the play. Yeah, mm-hmm. he like oh, he ran God. over to That's Kemba. And he was like, yo, get out into the corner. And so it sounded like Miles was the one that like initiated that. No, he was. He ran over and said, get out. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll get this guy in the post. And, you know, that is that's encouraging, too, because one of the reasons why you draft Miles Bridges is because he looks like a guy that can switch across a bunch of positions. Mm-hmm. You yep. have four right now and maybe maybe five eventually. Who knows? Um, and it's also yeah. sort of nice too, because one of the things we were a little worried about after the pick was off ball awareness from miles bridges. And he, he botched the switch, um, in the Chicago game, Wendell Carter hit somebody for a layup off the, off the pass. But 
the fact that he's on the backside of the defense and is diagnosing mm-hmm. that is uh, and going up to the the veteran, the best player on the team, and saying, "Hey, get out of here! I right. got this guy." I think is pretty encouraging. And that might not um, necessarily be a Miles thing. I mean, it probably still is, but it's also probably a Borrego thing. Just that's in their <laughs> DNA. Totally, it's 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 from the top down. Yeah, but the fact that he's still out there, like. Someone's drilled that into him. Yep. He, didn't, he definitely didn't learn that at Michigan State, you know? <laughs> like, someone's taught yeah. that to him in the last three months. Mm-hmm. And to see it in action, it was, I, again, encouraging. Well, it's look, it's going to be a huge, huge piece of the switching defense. And I saw it, too. Um, BG, Cody, it, well, they did it a few times in the first quarter against Miami. Cody and Kemba would switch the white side, Drogic, 1-5, which I'm like, Oh, wow. wow. Um, and Lamb <laughs> came flying over from the weak side as Whiteside obviously took Kimma right to the block and he sent him out. I mean, so it's, you know, it, it's the same concept that Clifford preached. I mean, I mean, he constantly talked about communication, but that was more in just the coverages, right? And where you were supposed to be on, on the floor. Now it's communication because really, the, I would think in a switching defense like this, the main thing you're watching for as a help defender is, okay, what are the switches we're looking at? You know, uh, you know, okay, Kimba switched on to who? Seller switched on to who? Okay, what does that mean for me? So it, it, communication becomes even more important now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it has been really impressive. I mean, great point. And for a guy like Miles to, to pick this up already this fast um, it, is really, really cool to watch. All right, let's take a quick break real quick. What's good, y'all? This is your boy, Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA, Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, we offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the Almighty Baller Network. All right, let's talk about Cody Zeller. Um, BG, you were talking about him uh, here in a minute ago how important he is on both ends of the floor. I know you've got a prop number here for us on total games played. So let's hear this one. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Cody Zeller, as we were just discussing, his importance to the roster. Uh, last two seasons, uh, has played just 95 games, including only 33 in 2017-2018. I saw Kevin Pelton has him projected to play 68 games this season. But we're going to take it up one quick notch here. Cody Zeller... <laughs> Over under games played this season, we're starting the line at sixty nine and a half. What do you guys think? He's played over seventy just twice in his career, mind you, including yeah, that, his rookie season. <laughs> that that is a high number. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. Um, you know, and yeah, I'm just gonna try to be optimistic on this one. Yeah. But I do have a little bit. Uh, uh, I have some reasoning for it. Um, you know, I think Borrego style. I think it is gonna allow Zeller to to use. You know, he is agile for a center, and I think we're going to see that and notice that even more in this up-tempo system where he can just move around more often. And maybe some of the physicality and brutality of playing the center position in, you know, in the NBA, well, you know, that load might be lessened a little bit on Zeller with mm-hmm. Grego's style. And, uh, and so that's why I think he's got a chance to, to hit the over here. Hello, 8Z, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think optimistically speaking, like if he does play over that 70 mark, um, I think there's probably is a good chance that we make the playoffs. Um, totally. I don't have any reasoning. I'll just say over. Uh, 
I mean, Spencer, your reasoning sounds great, uh, but I'm just going to say over. I think he's going to just beat the bug. Um, you know, you never know. Like Cody does play hard. I feel like some of the injuries are just because he plays hard. So it's just it's just in his game to go after balls uh, real hard. You know, bang down low with the centers, even get into some tussles with some centers. Uh, but I'll, I'll go over, but no real reasoning. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 in, the, I'm in the same ballpark to you guys, but I, I think actually I'm going to go under, not by much. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the the process here with Kevin Pelton. <laughs> if, if Pelton's got him at 68, uh, I, I think I think under, I'll, I'll go with that. But I think even if this, even if Charlotte can get 65 games out of uh-huh. Cody, that's a, that's a huge deal. And I said it at 69 and a half because my thought was just if he hits 70, it just it, you know, if you can get 70 to 75 games out of Cody and Kemba this season that changes uh-huh. the I mean the the basically that gives Charlotte the best odds of hitting its you know its most optimistic of expectations if those guys can play 90% of the games this season so uh, I'll say under but um not by much so let's uh let's stay on the player predictions uh, piece here for a minute team MVP I had it in here I, look we all Kimball Walker do we even need to talk about that <laughs> we could probably move on yeah. um, th- nobody has anything good. different right yeah yeah so we all have Kimball Walker for team MVP can I, I mean I will say Kimba yeah, but I do want to say this I think like we talked about this on last episode I think he's gonna have an adjustment period in which he has to learn to play a little bit differently um, I don't know if he's gonna have the best season of his career like Kroger said uh, several episodes ago but I do think if he does learn how to play with the Borrego system it's going to benefit not only him but the team as a whole I think him playing off ball a little bit more uh, is going to be different because his Bread and butter definitely is in the pick and roll game, but uh, you know I kind of looked at that stat the other day. The, uh, the the finishing around the rim was just amazing. I thought that he actually got frustrated the first preseason game against the Celtics at in Chapel Hill, but you kind of looking at the uh, the Chicago game, he had a great great finishes around the basket. Uh, you know among multiple players, but he's shooting sixty two percent within five feet. Uh, definitely not expecting that, but if he can get around sixty percent at the rim. Um, especially in this system where it's wide open, I think he can take advantage of that. But it's not as great seeing that thirty percent from behind the arc so far in the preseason. Yeah, one would think that'll 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 jump up a little mm-hmm. bit, and the mm-hmm. the number at the at the rim will probably yep. you know, like you said, slide back a little bit, and he'll you know land somewhere in between and be really, really, really good uh, once again this year. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be an obvious adjustment. That's absolutely right, and I don't know if that adjustment comes from you know, like you said, Richie, him just trying to learning to play in the system and play more off the ball, um, you know, and just not pound as much and just have to do mm-hmm. everything for this team in the high pick and roll. Um, you know, so but I, I agree. I, I think at the end of the day, I, I think there's going to be some regression for Charlotte, too, just in terms of how fast they play. I think they're, you know, <laughs> once you get to the regular season. Yeah. You know, Kimba's you're going to depend on him a lot. And there's going to be a lot of high pick and roll. But it'll look more like what we've seen in the past than mm-hmm. what we've seen in preseason so far. Um, so good point there. Defensive player of the year. Um, I'll start here. I, you know, I think it's Cody Zeller. I, I, you know, I just think that to court. Totally agree. You know, I, I just, I, I kind of went back and forth on this one because it. I don't think he's going to switch that much, especially in one and five pick and roll situations as we've seen him do in the preseason. Um, I think having him back there is going to, just calm a lot of guys' minds mm-hmm. that are out there playing with him because you just didn't have that that quarterbacking presence with with Howard last season. 
Um, and, and Zeller is he just moves so well across the floor. So if if he's able to keep everybody in a row and straight, and and if you really do see the Hornets switching one to four across the board a lot, and him still kind of you know sitting in the paint, driving uh-huh. on pick and roll, but stepping out when he needs to, you know. All that switching is going to force Zeller to clean some stuff up at the rim. He's going to have to come over and help even more so than he's had to do in the past, I think, in, in Clifford's system. So, you know, I think for the for the Hornets to, I would say, finish as like a top 15 defense, which I think that's probably on the line, right on the line yep. of, of where yep. they're going to be. Yep. Um, to finish top 15, I think it, Zeller's going to be the most important piece here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I uh, I guess we're kind of going chalk here again. I, I I considered Marvin, but I didn't think he'd played enough minutes. I considered MKG, exactly. um, but I'm actually not have not been overly impressed with his defensive play in, in preseason. And then I considered Miles, but it, you know I, I don't I just don't think that you know even with the switchability, he's going to be impacting the game on that end as much as Cody Zeller. I just think his activity on that end is just so much different than last season when we were dealing with uh, you know who. Uh, but he just yeah. <laughs> he just makes life easier for everyone on the defensive end. So like he's the one that it seems like he's working the hardest. I feel like if he had like a Fitbit on, he'd be like having you know tracking the most steps. I feel like they should do that by now. Do they do they track like steps they, or miles? They definitely track miles. Yeah. I don't have the the numbers right in front of me, but yeah, you can we could pull that up pretty yeah. easily. I bet you. I mean, he's probably the most on the team if he if he stays healthy. Um, will be a big factor on that end. Yeah, it it. I, for this, I just think it. There, part of it is there's just a lack of other of, of yeah. other options. Like you know, the Hornets, they have some some pretty pretty soft you know defenders on the wing and in the backcourt. Parker, and Batum, and Jeremy Lamb. Monk. And these some of those got Monk, of course. Some of these guys are, are good players, and and their offense totally outweighs the negatives on the defensive end. And Jeremy Lamb's a good defensive rebounder, so yep. you know that that at least that you at least add that to the positives for him. But come on. There's there's no way around it. Cody Zeller is a, is a very good defensive basketball player. Every number in the world tells you this. When he's on the court, Charlotte's defense is noticeably better. It, regardless of who the other four players are, like Charlotte is just better defensively with this guy out on the court. And I think there are some outside chances for for a guy like for a guy like Miles and MKG to be the the team decoy, mm-hmm. if you will. If those guys can sort of help prop up the second unit defensively. Because again, you're playing a lot of minutes with, with Tony Parker and Malik Monk on the court, so uh, there's a chance that, that could be pretty leaky. And if one of those guys can sort of help plug the hole and unlock Charlotte's, you know, some crunch. T- if they could prop play with the, the the crunch time lineup and help it switch and stuff like that, late there's an outside shot. But I think this is a no-brainer. I think it has to be Cody Zeller. He is a very good defensive basketball player. Just because he doesn't look like the archetypal defensive center like a Gobert or whatever doesn't mean that he, he can't have a huge impact on that end of the floor yeah yeah he's not gonna block shots by any means but he's definitely gonna totally. alter him totally yeah totally. alter him be in the right spot yep exactly uh all right breakout player um Richie let's start with you here oh I was not prepared for this one I forgot about this one I You're will say I will say uh breakout player I will say can I say Cody Zeller I mean, I know that's. Sure, yeah, I'll say course, Cody Zeller. Yeah. I I just think that um, you know now, and I'm yeah. also predicting the fact that he's going to play more than 70 games. So for him to be a breakout player, he's definitely going to have to have that type of role and be healthy yeah. for the whole season. So uh, he's actually surprised me in the fact that he's averaged like 14 points this preseason. But that's not why I would like choose him as a candidate for this 
for this kind of award, team award. Um, but he's just perfect for this system, making it easier for players on both ends of the court. Uh, he works the two-man game with Kemba very, very well. And here's the thing. Maybe this is kind of why I'm doing the breakout player. Maybe he might actually develop a three-point shot, which he has uh, kind of shown that a little bit in preseason. So that's kind of a, a bold prediction. I know that it kind of overlaps with something we're going to talk about soon, but uh, maybe he might be able to develop a three-point shot, and that would definitely, in my eyes, put him as the breakout player. I'm going to go with the easy answer here. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, you know, I think this is his this is his day in the sun here this yeah. season. He can... You know, I, I think this is the season where Jeremy Lamb can prove, like, I don't know where his next stop will be. I don't think Charlotte will be able to keep him. No. But can he prove to the league that, like, he can be the third best player on, on maybe a solid Western Conference playoff team? You know what I mean? Like, can can Jeremy Lamb make that kind of jump? I, I don't know if he's going to make that big of a jump, but I do think he's ready to put the league on notice in terms of he's a versatile scorer. He's officially a catch-and-shoot player when mm-hmm. he needs to be. He can play out of the pick-and-roll. He can make quick decisions. Borrego's offense is going to give him the the opportunity to at least prove that. And then on the defensive end, I've seen a Jeremy Lamb uh, that has really, really put in some effort on the defensive end, way more so than I saw under Clifford consistently so far in the preseason. Yes, it's preseason, but I've been impressed with, with what I've seen from him so far. And I think that this is like this is your prototypical contract year with totally. a guy who has a lot to prove, a lot totally. to prove. Um, so I, I think Jeremy Lamb's have a great season. I have a bold prediction later that has something to do with him, Ooh. so I'll save that. But uh, but yeah, I, right. I, I I am really bullish on Lamb. Yeah, same here. Uh, to continue the the Busby group think Jeremy Lamb breakout player <laughs> heading into the prime of his career. It's a contract year. This is he's been on sort of. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you want to call his current deal at about seven a year market value, below market value, whatever. But this is gonna be his first chance to really get paid, and he's gonna to get to play in an offense that's gonna play fast and and shoot a bunch of threes. And yeah, I just think he's gonna in playing next to Kemba with Cody out there flying around setting screens. I, I just he's never had a better opportunity since he got to Charlotte to have to have a big year. And again. When money's on the line, you know, I think there's a chance he could he could do something, some special stuff mm-hmm. this year. And just it's gonna be fun to see the offense opened up a little bit. You know, this is not the 2015, 2016 team. They had Courtney Lee because Lamb is not probably not the like defender and loose ball rebounder that Courtney Lee is. But he had some pick and roll elements to this offense next to Kemba's a secondary guy. And um, and yeah, I just think he's gonna have a nice year for Charlotte play efficient offensively and, and score double figures a game. Um, all right, let's team predictions. We're going to do offensive rating, defensive rating, and then total record. So let's just kind of, we'll, we'll just kind of cruise through these all at once. Um, I can start. Let's see here. Offensive rating. This one's going to just come off the top of my head here. Um, offensive rating last year, Charlotte was 108.9. Amazingly, mm-hmm. they were top 10 in the league. I <laughs> did not feel like that. Yeah. Um, I will, say the, I will yeah. say the way the way NBA.com changed the way they're tracking possessions this week. I don't know if you saw John Schumann tweeting no. about that. But I, I think not. that it moved some of the decimal places around a little bit. So, like, gotcha. Charlotte's, the number, their pace went down, and it looks like their efficiency went up, essentially, from what it was being right. tapped at two weeks ago or a week ago. So, I think that Charlotte will be 
in that 12 to 13, 12 to 14 range in, in mm-hmm. terms of offensive efficiency. So I'm going to, I'm not really going to give you no, I'm going to tell right. you they'll be around 108 is yeah. what I would project offensive rating wise last season, the Hornets really plummeted on the defensive end. They're 108 on that end too. So they had a zero net rating. Um, I think that <laughs> will improve. Uh, I think Charlotte can be what? It's just it's just so perfect for Charlotte. Like, oh yeah, I know. Like yeah, like zero net like, rate once again. The, the one thing you're supposed to do is not be in the dead middle of the league, and like here's Charlotte, you know, sprinting yep. in with with a totally neutral. Yeah. <laughs> it's I just so, it's just so perfect, man. Right. So perfect. Um, yeah, I, I think the Hornets can crack the top ten in defense, and you know because the offense is it's going to be so new. I don't expect it that to really flourish. In spurts, it will. But, you know, I think the Hornets can – I think they can muster up, you know, a 106 mm-hmm. defensive rating, somewhere in that range. So that would put the Hornets, you know, with what I just laid out, at about a plus-two net rating, mm-hmm. which last season a plus-two net rating, let's look at it real quick, would have been pretty much like a Minnesota or Denver um, – Quite weak for the Timberwolves, by the way. Oh, yeah. Very quiet. Very quiet. Smooth sailing. Nobody – yeah, nothing out of Minnesota this week. Um, Yeah, so so that would put the Hornets really at about 10th in terms of net rating in the league, which I think is attainable, and it would clearly make them a playoff team, probably put them in the, you know, 5, 6, 7 range in the East. So those might be – yeah, those numbers might be a little bit uh, bullish than than what most would Mm -hmm. say, but that's uh, that's what I've gotten. And total wins – uh, I said this on Nate Duncan's podcast. I think that, like, my best case scenario would be probably 48. You know, I think if Ooh. everything breaks right for the Hornets, they could get back to what they were in 15, 16. Um, but I don't expect that to happen. I have the Hornets at 41 wins. I think they're going to break, you know, be a 500 ball club here. Um, and I think, that, you know, the worst case scenario, probably something around 34 or 35. So. I yeah, I mean, I don't have an actual number for offensive rating or defensive rating. I think that um, both offense and defense, I feel like when it comes to league ranking, it's going to be about the same. I feel like in that 9 to 12 range would be kind of the bar to set. I think if we get too far down the middle of the pack, um, attaining the playoffs might be a difficult challenge if we're below, I guess, the 15th spot for either of those spots. So I would say around the 11-12 range for both the offensive rating and the defensive rating. Um, and it probably feels like we're just keep copying each other's answers here. But I'm going to say 41 and 41 as well, Spencer. I think right at the 500 mark. Um, like you said, I don't know if I could ever see 48 wins, but I could definitely see us getting over the 500 mark. I know that you said that was their high end, but you know, I, I, I still would struggle to see that happening. So I'm just going to say 500. I know that's kind of middle of the road, like you said, Brian, but 41 and 41. Yeah, I, I again, did uh, sort of similar. I, I see them. This is not going to be too creative because I'm going to basically sort of predict they're just they're bringing back so many of the same guys that it's uh it's sort of tough to say like oh they're going to you know I mean I know new staff new style of play but I, I think it's going to again it's a lot of the same guys too um, with not a ton of like regression candidates and maybe not a ton of like you know breakout candidates so again but I would say around my, my prediction I was thinking about 100, 109 points for 100 possessions on offense. Defensively, um, I mean, again, they've looked really good at times in the preseason, but I'm going to say closer to 108. So I was thinking somewhere just slightly positive net rating, like 0.5 to 1. And 
I think, and again, that's maybe being uh, you know a little bullish versus what some of these other projection models have them at. But yeah, I, I think also in that forty to forty-two win range, if you if you put a gun to my head and said pick a number, I'd probably say forty. Um, yeah. But you know, if you get if you get seventy plus games from Cody Zeller, the math sort of changes on that a little bit. So I guess all of us then too we're taking Vegas has the yeah. over under win total for Charlotte this year set at thirty five and a half. We're all pretty pretty high over that over that. That number. seems low to me. I mean I know that we're Hornets fans, but that just seems low. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's interesting because you know I saw Kevin Pelton has the Hornets at um, thirty eight point three wins, mm-hmm. and um, I believe I want to say it's Andrew Johnson. I believe has the Hornets at. 37.9. So, again, you know, that feels like a pretty, again, you know, that might actually be a pretty safe bet if you're one of those guys yeah. that likes to move the numbers around and play the ponies. Um, well, if the Hornets just do, in terms of net rating, exactly what they've done for the past few seasons, and then they just get better in late-game situations, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna totally. handle that That's over. true. You know, they're gonna, totally. So I totally. would hammer that if you're – if you're a betting man and you're just thinking, okay, well, at some point the odds have got to switch here. This has got to be a little bit of a fluke for the Hornets, and their net it rating is. is suggested they're a 40 win team. So, and I mean, and they, and they, it was one of those things where they were the clutch offense two seasons ago was good, and then it was really bad last year. I mean, it's just random, you know. It, it, it's late games. It's small. It's a tight window. It's a small sample. So yeah, again, you're totally right. Like if they could have a little bit better luck in those situations, that might flip a few of those games and get Charlotte close to the, you know, being on the right side of 41 wins. And hey, man, it's inter- the playoff playoff race in the East is interesting, especially if if Miami can't swing a trade for Jimmy Butler. I mean, who knows? You know, the everything the it gets way harder to get into the playoffs in the East if they get Jimmy Butler, basically. Charlotte would have to be competing with Detroit for the eighth seed. Maybe that's already the case, but I think you can sort of put Miami into that category too. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Hornets to not make the playoffs and get another line. I know we'd like the, I know, you know, fans and people that cover the team or whatever, you know, we, you know, we'd like to see them in the playoffs, I guess. But, um, you know, another shot at a lottery pick and maybe if uh, you know, we were talking about Virginia earlier, you know, maybe our boy DeAndre Hunter slides to 12 or 13. You know, maybe you want the Charlotte Hornets there so they can uh, – the Hornets could, could poach uh, DeAndre Hunter too. So, anyways, I, I think that's sort of where I'm at. I, I would take the over on the win total. Uh-huh. But uh, I think they're going to be slightly in the positive category in terms of net rating. And I think the offense is going to be marginally better than the defense. All right, well, let's move to our bold prediction segment here. Um, so we kind of labeled this as this should be a prediction that would carry like 100 to 1 odds. So now, you, you they, added that late. I didn't realize I had to get oh. that bold. So, But I, I, will, I will up my boldness to my prediction oh, okay, here. Okay, yeah, yeah gotcha. up your boldness. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just wanted this to be like I, I wanted our minds <laughs> to run a little wild with this one, um, and, and mine certainly did. Um, so my bold prediction – is that Jeremy Lamb will average, let's say, 29 minutes per game this year. Nah, you know what? Ah, whatever. This is bold. He's going to average 30 minutes per game this year. He's going uh, to score 18.5 points per game. He's going to shoot 39.5% from behind the arc, and he's going to have an effective field goal percentage of 55. Okay. 
I think that puts Jeremy Lamb in a very, very, very interesting free agency um, situation this year. And, and I think Jeremy Lamb's performance in this, remember, bold prediction of 100 to 1. So don't, so don't hit me up on Twitter tomorrow <laughs> and say, I can't believe you think Jeremy Lamb's going to score 18 and a half points per game this year. I said, no, no, no. Listen to what we said. 100 to 1. All right. I, I think that he is going to be the reason, the number one reason the Hornets win 48 games this season. In my bold prediction, 101 chances. Jeremy Lamb is the king. BG, also, what do you got? That, uh, that also make that would make Jeremy Lamb a pretty interesting trade chip come February yep. too. You know, well, if he played true. like that's that, true. but the team was was having some issues. Although, you know, if, if he's playing like that, Charlotte's probably going to be hitting their optimistic expectations, and therefore they'll be in contention for a playoff spot. Uh, oh boy, this one was this one was tough. Um, you know, for for a second, I really wanted to just say Miles Bridges Rookie of the Year. <laughs> that, that was that was going to be my bold prediction. Uh, uh, plus thirty three hundred rookie Rookie of the Year odds via Bovada as of as of October eleventh. Those aren't bad, by the way. Yeah, no. same as same as uh, our boy Shy Gilders Alexander in LA. But you look at the feeling, you know. I'm all in on Luka Doncic, and he's going to get a ton of minutes and possessions, and the guy just looks like a monster. I mean, he, I don't know if you guys have caught any of him in preseason. Uh, he looks ferocious. DeAndre Ayton looks good. Like, this class is just stacked. But so this is going to be, and you guys, can, if you want to roast me, by all means, I am roastable here. But my bold-ish prediction, Miles Bridges, first-team All-NBA rookie this year. Like, you get on the second team, that's not so great. Everyone loves to talk about that with Billy Aaron and Gomez a couple years ago. Like, guys, he was second team All-NBA rookie two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, them, they yeah. have to give out penalties every year. <laughs> and sometimes the draft class is not very good. But, no, I am I'm saying Miles Bridges is going to be one of the five most impactful rookies in the NBA this season. I like it. That's I- it. I like it. I don't. I, th- I think you cheat a little bit on the 100 to one odds. Yeah, exercise. I do. But yeah, but I but so. nonetheless, I, so. I like it. I like it. I think so too. Well, if you think he cheated, I probably cheated even more. So my bold uh, prediction, again. Oh, why do I write this stuff down, Richie? What I thought you this? you put this on late. I didn't realize it was a hundred. You do. Yeah. Make your own rules. Well, I'm very risk adverse. I would never be a betting man. So these over over under numbers, I would never do. Like I just don't know the right numbers. So these bold predictions also are very, I guess, conservative here but my bold prediction uh Batum will set a career high for number of assists in the season I did say he would average six and a half assists per game but that's probably not going to be 101 odds so I'll go eight and a half assists per game uh for Batum I just think that the system um actually I feel like he's going to have the ball in his hands a whole lot more not a whole lot more uh probably equally as much as Kimba, um, you know, diving into lanes, kicking out. I think Borrego is going to use him in the second unit a lot as well to kind of facilitate that offense. So I think Batum will not only set a career high for the number of assists in a season, uh, he will also be the team leader at eight and a half assists per game. It's a good one. I like that one. And what, that about, excellent. <laughs> what about this as another bold prediction? Because we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, but bold prediction – and, and I'd actually feel if they if the team if the franchise hadn't sold Tony Parker on a roll, and if James Borrego wasn't the coach, and if Nick Batum wasn't here, and if Parker wasn't a likely Hall of Famer because he's had an amazing career and he's one of the probably the best three or four international players in the history of basketball, 
But I think another bold prediction would be by the end of the season, Devontae Graham is the is the is the point guard is the number two point That's, guard on yeah. the roster. But I just don't look. Tony Parker was brought here for a reason. He's here to to help Kemba and to help get Malik uh-huh. Monk shots and and, and help uh, James Borrego install the culture with the Hornets. And uh-huh. again, they sold him on a roll. Like he's not he's not just an object sitting on the bench. But I do think that's another sort of interesting bold prediction is, you know, who's getting who's who's subbing in for Kemba when he hits the bench come February or March this year. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a great question. Um, and Devonte, I, I kind of agree with you, BG. I think he's going to be a, a big topic of conversation at some point in time. And so, with our luck as, as Hornets fans and, and covers of this team. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to come when Kemba needs to say at the most important time in the season and Devonte Graham needs to be something he's probably not ready to being. So that's a good point. I've got a, I've got a, I've got another over under for you guys involving the aforementioned Devonte Graham uh, games played this season for Devonte Graham, 41 and a half. See, I think I take the under, I think my, my heart wants to say over. Like, I feel like I want him to play. Well, I guess, I guess, I guess just an appearance, I guess would be a game played. Right. So, uh, I think when you look at that number, you might think that like he comes on towards the end of the year and, and has a bigger role. Um, but I, I'm I'm still gonna go the under on that. Um, I uh-huh. think you know I think Spencer kind of leans this way too in terms of just the role that Tony Parker is going to have. But uh, I think my heart says over, my head says under. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way, Richie. My heart would say over, head says under. Uh, I don't feel good about it though because uh, right. Parker, you know, that's true. I, I was I, I was more bullish before I started watching basketball and Tony Parker on the floor here in the preseason. He hasn't been awful. <laughs> he had a decent like, game in Miami or versus Miami, I feel like. Yeah, he did. He did. He, mm-hmm. You know, he got to the rim a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crafty. You know, he's still crafty. Always will be. Uh, but, man, he, um, he he doesn't look young and sprite. Let's put it <laughs> yeah, that way. I mean, he, he really almost struggles to get into a defensive stance at this point. Um, you know, moving very slowly. So... I, I yeah, I would take the under, but I don't feel good about it because yeah. I'm just not confident Tony Parker's conditioning is going to hold up. Same, same here. And we've seen Devonte get into guys on ball as a defender, and he looks like he could be a really special passer. And we've got a big track record for four years of him at Kansas being a pretty good shooter. So there's 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 a lot to be sort of optimistic about with Devonte Graham. But yeah, I too would take would uh will take the under but i know this year i will be checking greensboro swarm box scores more frequently uh assuming he's going to be getting some burn up there along with you know maybe makora and and, and Dwayne bacon and stuff like that occasionally too so uh but yeah i'll, I'll take the under uh, but i'll take the under for games for Devonte graham this season but knowing that full and well he's a part of the picture going yep. forward yep He's got to be, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we traded up for him. Uh, you know, his age kind of plays a, f- a factor in this. They, they want him on the court as soon as possible. So BG, let's go through these real quick. You've got a few more props oh. we haven't I, hit. I just, I just want to hit one more. Just let me hit one okay. more. All right. Uh, last one here. Okay, so last season, Malik Monk, don't know if you guys heard. <laughs> the Hornets were not very good when he was on the basketball court last season. Uh, to the tune of minus 11.5 points per 100 possessions, which is just whoa, not great. Um, it is one of the worst numbers in the league amongst, you know, fr- you know, rotation, fringe rotation players. So this season, Malik Monk, do we get a positive net rating? Uh, so we're going to set it at 
0.0 net rating for the Hornets? Do they break? Do they get above breaking even with Malik Monk on the basketball court this season? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Um, that, that, I think that's an optimistic number. Now it, it can only get better. That's yeah. the good news for Monk. And I think I, yeah. I think the bench unit that he played plays with this year will be more solid. And, and look, it's not because BG. I, I think Monk is. Um, you know, going to be as bad of a player as he was last year. I think a lot had to do with the the, the system he's playing in, number one, and number two, the guys he was playing with. I mean, mm-hmm. that second unit was just awful. But, you know, I do think that this Hornets bench this year, you know, it, it, with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, you know, a useless offensive player, um, you know, then the youth, you know, Miles Bridges. You know, I just I, – I don't I don't think there's still enough pieces for that to be a solid – rotational unit so i think that just all those guys are probably going to have pretty close to a negative net rating um but monk is he's going to be asked to play with you know tony parker more often and the only scenario in which i see monk having a positive net rating or or even flirting with it would be if he spends way more minutes on the floor with kimba walker um than we anticipate and you know he I, this is just an eye test, but it looks like he spent more time with Nick Batum in the preseason. I, I don't know that that to be true, but just kind of watching these games, it looks like he's been paired with Batum more than Walker. I would, st- and I understand the concept there, but I would yeah. still like him to see more minutes with with Walker. I mean, I think the only thing that I would add to that, Spencer, is I feel like Borrego will tinker with lineups a little bit more. And last year, he was almost like stuck with that second unit. Well, well, he was stuck on the bench, but also he was stuck with that second unit. I think Borrego is going to, you know, experiment a little bit more. So he'll be on the court with players other than just, you know, Parker and all that stuff. So I am not going to be optimistic, but I do think it's going to get very close. I feel like he is rejuvenated you know what I mean like under Borrego I feel like he almost uh, had a distaste for Clifford in the way that you know his rookie season was handled but uh, clearly clearly he wasn't playing as good as he thought he was and there's a reason that you know Clifford probably didn't hand out those minutes uh, minus 11.5 I did not realize it was that low I knew it was low I didn't realize it was that low oh. yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I want to add this real quick like this switching style will help Malik Monk's especially in terms of just this stat we're talking about, net rating. And it will make the game a lot easier on him, uh, probably more so than anybody else on this mm-hmm. team. Um, yeah. And to, to be honest with you, I, I'm I'm guessing this is a James Brego thing, regardless of if Malik Monk is on your roster or, or, or not, this whole switching on the defensive end style thing. But when you think about how obvious it's been, they're going to switch almost anything out there on the floor – and then you think about his comments about, well, Malik Monk is really our most important piece on this team to develop moving forward. Um, a switching scheme on that end really starts to make almost too much sense. Um, I'm not saying it's solely because of Monk, but I do think that this is going to help him um, survive on the basketball floor as much as anybody else on this roster. Yeah, it's like he might get you know, a few more mismatches headed up at his, at going at him, but he's sort of already a defensive uh, liability to begin with, but at least now he'll just know what to do. Like, you know, there's a screen switch that there you go. That that's what we're doing. uh, You know, X percentage of the time or all the time uh, when you're out on the court. Yeah. I would say the under uh, two, he's going to be playing as from the looks of it right now, a lot of minutes next to Tony Parker. And it makes me think teams are going to score a lot of points against them, (laughs) even with, you know, Miles Bridges and, and Michael K. Gilchrist, who are 
certainly athletic and intriguing defenders, good rebounders, et cetera. But yeah, no, I would say uh, minus for Malik Monk, unless you know he somehow flips roles with Jeremy Lamb and gets to play with the starters a ton. Right, right. Yeah, and, and BG, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, I just, when I close my eyes and I picture Tony Parker, Malik Monk, um, <laughs> Miles Bridges, Michael K. Gilchrist and Willie Hernan Gomez as a defensive <laughs> unit. I see like no no way on earth that that's gonna that's gonna turn out anything yeah. uh, other than a pretty ugly defensive rating. Uh, even with with MKG out there, I mean, I, I think he has a chance to be better in this scheme. But I mean, mm-hmm. those are you know when you talk about Parker Monk and and Hernan Gomez, those are, are three very 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 below average NBA defenders. So yeah, and you're you know you're look you're one injury away from Frank Kaminsky being the backup center too, right? Oh, and God. then now all of a sudden, no. then all of a sudden we that almost made even, it through a whole episode. I, I know, without I know. Going into de- <laughs> I know. Look, he's on the fringe of the podcast discussion, just like he's on the fringe of the rotation. <laughs> Uh, with go. the Hornets right now too. So, anyways, yeah, there we go. I, I had one more profit on there, but I I don't really actually want to get to the one on pace just because I'm a little I, I don't want to read into these preseason numbers too much. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to to call it to call, to call it a quits there. Let's let's uh, get to the Twitter questions just real quick, uh, just because we kind of reached out to our fans. Um, we did have one comment, so not necessarily a question. I'll just read the, the comment. Um, at Bill Huey, uh, the motion offense makes up for the lack of playmaking for a bit. Pushing the pace gives folks easier shots and transitions. I think it'll get better as the year goes on. Frank, too. Interesting. Should be a fun team to watch this year, which I would agree with. I think that's like the biggest thing. It just looks more modern. It looks more fun to watch. Uh, and I think that, you know, athletes playing in space is going to be a big thing. So here is the actual Twitter question at Walker underscore Harris three. Ask, what do you guys think will be the team's biggest weakness this season? He says, rebounding is mine, especially if MKG and Zeller miss significant time. So any thoughts on the biggest team weakness for the season? I thought rebounding, too, to, to Walker's point. But I actually think watching him play, I, I think there's enough of what has already been drilled into a lot of these guys that were around for Clifford to where, like I said earlier, I think they're still going to be fine on the defensive glass. Yeah, the uh, just real quickly uh, about Frank here. Um regarding what what Bill sent in where Bill Huey mentioned him very briefly but look if Frank's going to ever have a chance to to sort of carve out a role in the NBA this is it playing center in this type of offense Uh, this is it like this is a this is sort of a big year for him and it's a contract year and it has not looked good four of 20 shooting in the preseason 0 of 10 on threes they've all been wide open uh the Hornets scoring eight tenths of a point per possession with him on the court and they are minus 25 in his 55 minutes but you know look I don't think if all goes well for the Hornets this guy's not really this guy shouldn't really fit into a big part of the rotation but look man if he's ever going to do it it's got to be this way it's at this position it's in it's in this type of offense um as far as the the biggest weakness for this team goes Again, I just think it's sort of like the margin for error and the injury concern. I mean, if one of if one of of Kemba or, or Cody goes uh-huh. down, it's just it's just like man, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they, I don't know what they do, um, yeah. especially especially Kemba. Th- then then what the hell do you do? And, and look, that's like it's like that for a lot of teams, except for like you know maybe the the Warriors or the Rockets or or you know Boston. Um, they can sort of survive without without their their top perimeter creator, but 
just because they have so many secondary options. So I would say the margin for error, if, if I wanted to have, if you wanted to ask me anything else that was more specific, I would just say like, you know, the lack of an, of another score next to Kemba, but hopefully Jeremy Lamb can step up and fulfill that role for Charlotte this season. That's a good point. You ended on there and, and it's a good point. Bill Huey um, sent it on Twitter, you know, that this system is going to make up for the lack of the secondary score that this team, you know, really hasn't had for a while. Um, and it is going to be a little bit more by committee. Uh, I don't, you know, in terms of greatest weakness, I think I would just, you know, this is a very specific thing, but, you know, protecting the rim, you know, keeping, I don't know if the Hornets have a, enough good perimeter defenders, you know, mm-hmm. between Marvin, Batum, Lamb, you know, Miles, MKG, you know, MKG is the really one guy who I trust to keep the ball in front. The rest of those guys, I said, you know, can get beat off the dribble pretty regularly. And, you know, we all know Cody Zeller's limitations to protect mm-hmm. the rim. But then even further than that, you know, when you get to the second unit, you know, Hernan Gomez really has no ability to protect the rim either. And, and it is more groundbound than Zeller is. So, you know, I, I think if the Hornets do struggle uh, to stay in front of the ball from the wing position, this season, I think I think the bottom could fall out a little bit defensively, just because there's nothing on the backside yeah. um, to force mm-hmm. the ball back out away, you know. And and teams are going to finish there regularly, and not only that, but Zeller's going to get into foul trouble. Teams are going to get to the foul line. Like that's really where the switching scheme could kill the mm-hmm. Hornets, and, and 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 why there's a chance that they finish as like you know. 20 to 25th in defensive efficiency this mm-hmm. year because they just can't keep the ball in front. And I feel like we've seen some of that in the preseason. I mean, at least from my eyes, I feel like they have been getting into the teeth of the defense um, at a more frequent pace that I would like. So I guess if that's something on defense, that's probably a weakness. Uh, if I had to choose something on offense for a weakness, possibly be turnovers. I just think that, um, you know, with this new system, uh, making quick decisions, uh, making passes, uh, you know, across the court, uh, it could lead to some turnovers and kind of getting used to the system. So that might be a weakness that we see uh, throughout the season. But again, you saw Clifford ball, like he limited turnovers, you know, limited fouling, uh, grabbed up the uh, defensive rebounding, and you saw where that got us. So it's not always a direct Mm one-to-one correlation with that. You know, Borrego always says, like, you know, it's not necessarily the efficiency that you shoot the threes, but it's also the volume. So it could be the volume that you make the passes and and getting the passes moving, but that will also lead to some unwanted turnovers. No doubt. Um, Can I just read you guys – can I just read you one Frank Kaminsky number that I just pulled up looking at some stuff that's pretty funny? So – the Hornets are, are, as of right now, are three and one in the preseason. Uh, in those three wins, the Hornets are a combined plus twenty-two, like uh, in terms of point differential. In the three wins that Charlotte Charlotte's had in the preseason, Frank Kaminsky is a minus twenty-eight in thirty-six minutes. That's kind of amazing. Like the Hornets have outscored their opponents in wins by twenty-two points, but in the thirty-six minutes that Frank has been on the court in those three wins, they are minus twenty-eight. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not going great for right now, you guys. So, <laughs> so it was minus twenty-five through fifty-five yeah. minutes, I guess, before the Chicago game. BG and I, I tweeted that out, and I, you know, I, I know there's still some Frank, you know, some some Frank fans hanging on there for dear life. You know, tweeted back at me, you're like, yeah, but that's a pointless stat because. You know, it's all about who he plays with. Correct. The stat is flawed. But when you're the worst on the team in that yeah. stat by a wide margin, who's making who worse? Right. Who's the denom- common denominator there? Right. right. Like, like yeah, so that doesn't exactly. even make sense. Think, think about what – anyway. So, yeah. 
it ain't looking good for Frank right now. But uh, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's yeah. pretty obvious at this point that he is at the end of the bench. Um, in terms of center rotation, yep. and Brego's made it clear that's the position he's playing. Uh, <laughs> yep. Center, Richie. Can I still? We're not done with the the golden sticker giveaway. Or no, is that, no. I can, I can plug this real quick. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this idea came to me because I have some stickers to give away, and I was trying to think of how to involve it. Uh, and Willy Wonka came to me, so like the golden ticket. So anyway. If you look at our Twitter, a couple posts back, uh, it kind of gives all the details. But basically, you got to follow Brian, follow Spencer, follow myself. You retweet the actual tweet that we sent out, uh, and that enters your name into the pot. Uh, and basically, on Monday, October 15th, I will choose seven people, and I will get your addresses or whatever, and I'll send out a envelope with the stickers. If you happen to get two stickers, please take a picture of that because that actually earns you a free... Anything that you want uh, on our T Public site, any kind of apparel that you want, Buzzbeat uh, on us. So uh, be on the look on lookout for that um, on Monday, and I will uh, kind of put those names out there. Really, really cool promo, Richie. When you texted us the other day, I, you texted us the picture of, of the uh, you know of the graphic of Willy Wonka, and it was like Saturday morning. I was like, what the hell am I looking at? Right now? And then you like displayed it to us, and I was like, this is fantastic. So um, so <laughs> really cool idea. Make sure you guys are following all of us and, and go ahead and enter yourself into this giveaway. The stickers we got, we're going to give these away as we go throughout the season, are really, really cool. Uh, we got the little, uh, uh, just the little Hornet Buzzbeat yep. logo, and then we have the actual Buzzbeat podcast kind of white background yep. sticker logo. They're, they're really cool stickers, uh, so make sure you're interacting with us so we can get the, those out to you guys. And then the Miles Bridges t-shirt design um, that Richie came up with. Um, that's available on T Public. You can go back into uh, the the excuse me the Buzzbeat Radio Twitter handle. Scroll down. You'll you'll be able to see the link where you can go and get that one. I went and got my uh, lightweight uh, Miles Bridges sweatshirt last week. Um, so psyched nice. to wear that this winter. Nice. All right. Well, look, guys. So uh, before we go, next week, next Wednesday's the season opener. It's at home against Milwaukee. Friday we're at Orlando, and then Saturday night, so we got a back-to-back early in the season, we're at Miami. So quick back-to-backs in Florida. I would say all three of those games, very, very winnable. Uh, Milwaukee, Miami, though, two playoff teams projected mm-hmm. in the East. So so opportunity for Charlotte coming out of the gates. Hey, look, regular season basketball is here. Next time you hear from us, we'll actually be talking about Hornets regular season games, and hopefully they will be through, you know. So I say we take two or right. three. I, th- I think we take the first two. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I like uh, I like having a team like Milwaukee mm-hmm. come to Charlotte opening night because there's so much buzz around that team. Yeah, I, I just that's a perfect kind of team to get at home in mm-hmm. you know in front of your crowd game one because I think that immediately is a big win. Well, know? they're still working through a new system and stuff, just like the Hornets are. And uh, I was saying this to Richie before we started recording too, but for a team like the Hornets that's looking to probably draw a few more eyeballs, you know, hopefully, I know that's not the the main goal, but hopefully we like to draw a few more eyeballs. And I would say that's a league pass game that a lot of people are going to watch because it's Giannis game one in a new system. So, you know, like I said, you might, hopefully there's a good home crowd for the Hornets and hopefully they play well because, yep. it, you know, you might pick up a few league pass fans that night too. No doubt. Good point. All right, look, thanks for listening. This was episode 75 uh, of Buzzbeat Radio. Don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Check out almightyballer.com for tons of other great content uh, across the landscape of the NBA. QueenCityHoops.com, that's Buzzbeat Radio's home. A lot of good preseason content. 
previews of players, previews of storylines, whatever you want, it's there. Noah Purser is doing a great job getting content on the site. Um, So go check that out as well. Uh, Sports Channel 8, can't forget to plug them. Our good friends over at SportsChannel8.com, at SportsChannel8 on Twitter. Check them out as well. All right, well, look, we'll see you guys next week. And like I said, we're going to be talking uh, about the Hornets being 3-0 here. All right, have a good one. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.